Thank you for listening to the CEO-ish podcast hosted by me, Taylor Graham. And me, Chloe Willemson. We are so excited to announce that our very own podcasting platform, Zencaster, has become our first official sponsor for the show. Check out the podcast discount link in our show notes and stay tuned for why we love using Zencaster for our podcast. Hello, hello, and welcome back to the CEO-ish podcast. If you're new here, thank you so much for tuning in. We know we have had a lot of new listeners these past few weeks, and we are so grateful that you're choosing to listen to us. We know there are a lot of other podcasts from you to choose from, so we don't take it for granted that you're choosing ours. As always, we are Chloe and Taylor, and this week we are sitting down with Katie Steckley, who is the founder and CEO of Creatorly Media, a social media enthusiast, avid content creator, and part-time van lifer. While sharing tips and advice about social media strategy on her YouTube channel, Katie realized that there was a gap in the market for high-quality content creation services for small businesses and content creators. Many content marketing agencies are built for big businesses, and other online content creation services designed for smaller scale provide cookie-cutter content. Creatorly Media fills that space by providing high-quality and engaging content for your audience. They provide creative and strategic social media content creation services for online creators by online creators. You guys, Katie is so cool. We got to do her interview with her while she was on the road because as we said earlier, she's a part-time van lifer and she's had one hell of a journey in this online space. In this conversation with Katie, we dive into her 10 plus year journey as a content creator online, how being a public figure online has impacted her mental health, her top tips for creators who want to grow authentically in 2022, van life, and more. But before we dive into all of that, we have a few things we need to catch you guys up on. So Chloe, do you want to kick us off? Sure. So there's not like a whole lot to catch you guys up on, but Taylor and I are going to go visit my sister down in Nashville this Friday. Impromptu trip. (laughs) Yes. Yes. We're really excited about it. We're going to also visit our old roommate Becca down there. So just lots of cool things. We should also hit up Rudy and try to meet up with her while we're there now that I'm thinking about it. Definitely should. (laughs) And I will send her a message after this podcast. Yes. But yeah, I'm laughing because I said I wasn't going to travel in March and April. And here we are traveling at the very, very beginning of April. This is a cheaper trip. Okay. We're going to drive down there together. Gas prices aren't cheap, but like Taylor and I work from home. So I feel like this is just like, (laughs) whatever, we're not really paying for a whole lot of gas anyway. So it's our time to pay for that gas. But yeah, other than that, I mean, we're staying with my sister for free and we are going to explore the city a little bit. So that'll be a little expensive, but this is definitely on the cheaper end as far as trips go. We're going to go to another drag brunch. We're excited. Hell yes. Yeah, I took Taylor to one in Grand Rapids and it was a blast. But I got to tell you, it's got nothing on the drag brunch in Nashville. That was so much fun. And I'm so excited to show Taylor. Yeah, other than that, like we said in our intro, we've got a lot of new listeners. And part of that is we now have our first sponsor. So please listen to that ad. We're really excited about it. And we're really proud to be at this point. So yeah, it's all, all going good looking up. We really appreciate your guys' support for even being able to get the podcast to this point. Mm -hmm. And we know advertising isn't everybody's favorite thing to listen to with podcasts. So we're promising we're going to keep it short and sweet. We promise to never be that podcast that has like 10 minutes worth of ads at one time because both of us hate Mm -hmm. that. And we never want to be the podcast that we don't want to listen to ourselves, you know? Definitely. So what's new with you? 
Uh, I don't have too many updates from me this week, actually. I do want to let everyone know that my TikTok growth updates are I'm officially over 900 followers on TikTok. Hell yeah. Go Taylor. for two weeks of doing minimal effort content is insane. I have never grown my Instagram that fast in an entire month ever. And I've been on Instagram, like seriously taking my Instagram, like or treating it like a business, I should say, since 2019. Have never experienced that kind of growth. I'm fairly certain that I'm going to pass my Instagram following by the end of the month, but we'll stay tuned. You never know. Go Taylor. I know, right? You will. I'm calling it right now. No doubt. <laughs> You're going see. to. Today's what? The fourth by the end of the month? Hell yeah. <laughs> yeah. We'll see. I, I find the algorithm just extremely fascinating and I'm mm. finding joy in social media again. Like I unintentionally, I realized yesterday, I haven't posted on my Instagram stories in almost three weeks. Like, oops. Mm. So yeah, guys, follow Taylor's Instagram if you want to keep up with her. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or not no. Instagram. Sorry. TikTok. Wow. Hi, Monday. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'll have to start linking that in the show notes, but it's definitely nothing like what I normally post about. Like if you're looking for social media and business advice, it's not that. It's literally a hobby account. It's beauty. It's my interests. It's my personality. Mm-hmm. So if you're interested in that, go follow it. But other than that, yeah. <laughs> cool. And then more updates from me. Very minimal, though. I did get a new phone, which I haven't bought myself a new phone since 2019, which fun fact about me, buying myself my first iPhone like outright was my first like really big adult purchase. So that that was cool. And this is my first big update since that phone. I got the iPhone 13 Pro and the camera with the micro photography is insane. You can see every individual pore on my face when I am filming my TikTok <laughs> videos, but it's a good thing. And I think that honestly, I, I would love to dive into this in a separate episode, but I feel like ever evolving camera quality is actually going to be good for like social media and things Mm -hmm. like that because I don't know I would like to think that it's gonna get harder for filters to cover up camera quality without looking so completely fake that you can't tell it's a filter you know because to me a lot of filters are already starting to look that way I don't know it's just fascinating to think about that makes me think about I've I've been trying all these different filters. I'm like, oh, I just want to see what this natural makeup looks like on me. And it looks crazy. Like it does not look natural on me or even like the winged eyeliner one. So I wonder if that has to do with the camera quality then. It's too good for these filters. The trend on TikTok with the P- 21 Pilot song where it's like the my taste in music is oh, yes. and people t- take the mm-hmm. filter off. That filter is insane. Yeah. That's that's the one I'm talking about. It, it looks crazy on me. It does not look cute. It doesn't look like I have natural makeup on or it's subtle at all. I'm like, how does it look so natural on other people? But uh, maybe it's just my face or maybe it's the camera. I don't know. It's our skin tone. I'm telling you this right now. Both of us it. have really olive skin tones, but both of us are on the paler end of mm-hmm. olive. So it's just Tasty. yellow. It makes us look orange. I've put that filter on too. It's straight up the worst spray tan I've ever had, Jersey Shore circa Mm -hmm. 2011. Like, I don't know. (laughs) It's orange and super intense eye makeup. Yeah. Well, moving along from face filters, if you guys (laughs) would like an in-depth ramble about that, we actually have an entire podcast episode about this with Melanie Lauren. Yes. She's 
fantastic. It's one of my favorite episodes we've ever put out. I will put that in the show notes. But yeah, Chloe pretty much covered the Nashville trip and that was one of my updates. Expect more content and stories from us. Maybe we will actually film some Instagram reels. Probably not, but like We probably should. (laughs) We'll see. We are going to be working down there and like doing some other stuff, which we'll cut you up on when it comes to fruition. Yes. And then my last update is that I did some damage at the Sephora sale and I will probably likely do more damage, but more to come. Oh (laughs) yeah. Happy to hear it. Well, do you have any favorite products from that sale? Honestly, I'm taking the week off of favorites of the week. I have tried too many new products to be able to honestly report on anything. Mm -hmm. And I'm having one of those off weeks where I'm just kind of like, Nah, nothing's really exciting me. I haven't even eaten a snack that I'm obsessed with, so I'm just going to pass this week. All right. Fair enough. Mine this week is going to be the Mount Lai Jade Gua Sha Tool. I've talked about this. I talked about this in our morning routines, but I didn't specify which brand I use, and it's the Mount Lai one, and I love it. I got it in the pack when they were doing the collab with Glow Recipe, so I got that with the niacinamide, and I'm just obsessed with it. I love it. Is this the gua sha that got stolen from you on your birthday? Yeah, that was fucking trash. One of my neighbors, (laughs) one of my neighbors is a thief. I'm not even kidding. There have been so many stolen packages, but somebody tore open my package, took the gua sha out of it, but left the niacinamide. So I was like, hey, at least I got that. But we got in contact with the company and they sent us another one. So that was good. But yeah, my neighbors are trash, kind (laughs) of. That is Horrible, and I'm so sorry that happened to you. I use Mount Lai Gua Sha. They're whole facial tools. They have good mm-hmm. jade rollers too. They have some like acupressure tool that I want to try, but I got to chill with the spending. So that's a thing. <laughs> but yeah, also speaking of the morning routines episode, you guys, thank you so much for all of the interaction on our Instagram stories. That, hey, was, that was like fun. insane. So many of you responded to us and so many of you had questions about like the gua sha and things like that. So people were asking what one you used. So I'm glad you mentioned that this episode. Yeah. Yeah. Check it out, guys. Yeah. So I can go ahead with a small bit shout out if you'd like. Yeah, go for it. All right. So today's small biz shout out is going to go to Crown Free. Years ago, Heidi Vanderwall, who is the chief crown officer, attended a woman's event sponsored by a local church to create awareness for human trafficking. After realizing that girls were being sold right in her city, at her favorite malls, in local schools, and online, she became determined to help fight the injustice that was hitting so close to home. She dreamed even bigger of a world where human trafficking didn't exist at all. In January of 2014, the idea for Crown Free, a clothing company that donated a portion of its profits to its cause, took shape. Crown Free's mission is to end human trafficking through ethical fashion and gifts. They offer women the opportunity to build their own cause-based business that creates safe and sustainable jobs for survivors of human trafficking and supports anti-trafficking organizations. You can shop all of their amazing clothing, jewelry, and other gifts at crownfree.com. That's C-R-O-W-N-E-D-F-R-E-E.com. Absolutely killed it. Proud of you for that one. (laughs) Thank you. I'm proud of it. (laughs) All right, you guys. We have a short intro this week, but we didn't have that many updates and we're not ramblers here. So we will see you guys on the other side of this interview with Katie. Podcasting remotely can be challenging. 
I mean, God knows Chloe and I started a podcast in the middle of a pandemic with zero experience. But thanks to Zencaster's all-in-one web-based solution, the podcasting process has been quick and painless, the way it should be. If you've listened to our podcast for any length of time, you know that we have been obsessed with the quality of our audio from day one. And Zencaster provides crystal clear sound and gorgeous HD video. Not to mention, it's super easy to use, even for guests that aren't tech savvy. There's nothing to download, they just click the link and we start recording. Zencaster is all about making your podcasting experience easy. With everything from local recording to automatic post-productions in the tool, you don't have to leave your browser to get the episode done. We want you guys to have the same easy experience as we do for all of your podcasting and content needs. If you go to www.zen.ai slash CEOishpod and enter the promo code CEOishpod, you'll get 30% off your first three months. That's www.zen.ai slash C-E-O-I-S-H-P-O-D. It's time to share your story. Hello, Katie, and welcome to our podcast. We are so excited to have you. Can you first please start by telling our audience a little bit about your entrepreneurial journey leading up to your agency, Creatorly Media? Yeah, for sure. Thank you so much for having me. I'm uh, I'm really excited to be here. Yeah, so to get started, I guess where where my journey as a business owner really began was when I I guess started my YouTube channel when I was a very awkward and nerdy uh, preteen. Um, I it wasn't even on my mind at that point that it would become a business, but that's really where I started building all of the skills that would eventually lead to me starting my business. So yeah, I started making YouTube videos in probably about like 2008, 2009, and then started the channel that I have now in 2011, which is hard to believe that's over 10 years old now. But yeah, I just always love making videos. And and I was very interested in the idea of finding a community on the internet, because I, I grew up in a rural area, like going to school in a small town where I didn't have a lot of friends that had the same kind of interests as me. So anyway, that's kind of what drew me to the world of content creation in the first place. So I made um, all kinds of YouTube videos all through high school and university, but it was really when I was getting close to graduation and I had done a few internships and I wasn't like loving, you know, the idea of, of working the traditional nine to five that I started to think about, could I make this into, um, a job for myself? Like, could I build this into a business? And of course, I, I thought it would be amazing to be like an influencer and be a vlogger and just, you know, make my YouTube videos and, and get paid for that. But at the time I had about, I don't know, 1500 subscribers. And I knew that wasn't on the horizon for me immediately. So I started to think about ways that I could actually make money, like doing what I love, which was making videos. And so I started making um, promotional videos for small businesses that were local to me. And um, yeah, just like marketing videos for their websites at the time, like videos for Facebook was like the ultimate form of online marketing. So that ages me a little bit. But anyway, that's what I was like really getting into the whole like world of online marketing. And it was through video production. So I did that for a while as a freelancer and it started to grow and I kept focusing on my YouTube channel. And then my YouTube channel really started to blow up in um, sort of spring, summer of 2019 after I posted a YouTube video that um, was kind of out of the blue for me. It wasn't really typical to my other content, but it was called Instagram story hacks for creators 
2019. And um, it was just like tips and tricks for how to kind of like do cool tricks with your, your Instagram story, stuff that people had asked me about that I had been doing on, on my own Instagram account. And that video just blew up. Um, at this point, it's got um, a million and a half views. Um, and it's really been the driving force behind my, my YouTube channel and the direction that I ended up going. So in 2019, I was doing the freelance thing. My YouTube channel really started to grow. And then through that growth on YouTube, it enabled me to find more clients and especially more clients that were kind of remote. So I was working with people editing their podcasts, editing their YouTube videos, and they weren't necessarily local to me. They were just anywhere. They found me through my YouTube channel. Um, and then as that got busier, I started to hire some people to help me. And then eventually it kind of just grew into this team of people that are working on social content for creators, for business owners. And so in the summer of 2021, I decided to rebrand to Creatorly Media, which is what it's called now, because at, up until that point, I had just been going by Katie Steckley, the freelancer, and it didn't make sense anymore. I had a big team. So um, that's when Creatorly was born. And we've basically just been working on the same stuff since then, making YouTube videos for people, editing their podcasts, creating Instagram content. But now it's under this new name, Creatorly. So that's that's kind of my journey up until this point. I absolutely love hearing that. And I love hearing how not linear it was in the sense of finding it yourself. Because I feel like a lot of people, especially in the online space, especially in the age of TikTok, feel like social media careers happen overnight. And everybody's in overnight success. So I think it's really good for people to hear how long people's journeys really take them, especially the old school OG YouTube kids. Like they did not, back when YouTube wasn't even monetized, they went through everything to get it to where it is now, you know? Yeah, I feel like back when I started my YouTube channel, it wasn't even a thought in anyone's mind to turn this into a business. I mean, I was just totally doing it for fun. And at that time, everybody else was too. But I feel like as I continued my journey as a creator, you know, that like in the time I was on YouTube, the word influencer was invented and people started calling themselves content creators. Like that's all new since I started this. And so all of that evolving in the space around me, I started to realize, oh yeah, this is something that you can do for a job. So it's just funny that when I started my YouTube channel as a preteen and I was thinking about, you know, what do I want to be when I grow up? I mean, I had no concept of what kind of business I could build. It's so funny how many people are in careers right now that they didn't even know existed 10 years ago. Yes, exactly. But with that, so you are sharing your life and you're scaling your marketing agency online. And we're curious about how being in front of the camera all the time impacts your mental health off camera. Oh, that is such an interesting question. And I feel like this is something I come across so often too with the people that I'm trying to like coach into being creators as well. Like that insecurity of, of always like seeing yourself. I feel like, I don't know. I, I feel like I'm, I'm somehow lucky with that in terms of, I, I've never felt like a, a huge amount of of like insecurity or like body image issues, which I feel like is just like a huge blessing to have that kind of like natural confidence. Cause I know it's very hard one for a lot of folks. Um, but I also have just been making videos of myself for so long that I think I'm really used to it. Like I know a lot of people have this weird thing where they start filming themselves. They're like, Oh, I didn't realize that I looked like that. Or I didn't realize I made faces like that. Or, Oh, is that really what my side profile looks like or whatever? But that's as I've grown up and as I've changed. And, you know, even as I went through puberty and stuff, I was making YouTube videos that whole time. So I have always been like aware of what I look like mm -hmm. in this kind of like 
third party, never quite objective, obviously, but like I'm used to seeing myself like that. So I, I feel like for me anyway, it's just always been like a natural part of what I do. And I don't think about it too much, even though I, I do spend a lot of time, probably like an unreasonable amount of time compared to other people looking at myself, like editing photos of myself or editing my videos. But yeah, I think for me that that part has just always felt somewhat normal because of how long that I've been doing it. But I will say there are definitely other parts of like the the journey of being a creator that have been hard on my mental health, but not necessarily the the body image piece, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Can you dive into that a little bit? Yeah, yeah, for sure. So I, over the past, I guess throughout 2021, really the second half of 2021, I struggled big time with burnout, which is something that I've like chatted about on my YouTube channel and on Instagram and on my podcast and stuff. Um, And I feel like it's so cliche because everybody talks about burnout now. It's like a big buzzword. And definitely at the beginning of 2021, I was like, oh, yeah burnout like in air quotes or whatever like that'll never happen to me Mm -hmm. like I can just keep working forever and it'll be fine but then I just experienced it in such a visceral way and I think it was really a result of um, partially like pandemic fatigue like having been stuck at home for a year and a half and like all of a sudden it like hitting me that I didn't really have much of a social life and all these other things in, in my life that I used to had kind of disappeared and just spending so much time on work and really pushing myself and getting in my head about like my subscriber count or my view count or my revenue really defines me. Like I didn't have the separation between Katie, the person and Katie, the business, which was also part of the inspiration for renaming my agency and calling it something else so that I could separate my work from myself a bit. So yeah, that was just like a really big challenge for me. And I spent probably about you know, like five or six months, like hardly being able to work. Like I was doing, I was very unproductive, but it was an important time for me for like healing and resting and like finally getting back to that point where I felt at all inspired or at all interested in working. And I, I feel really fortunate that during that time I I went to therapy and that was very helpful for me. And at the beginning of this year of 2022, then I finally felt like re-energized and excited to dive back into work. But anyway, that's just my really long way of saying that burnout for creators is very real and like definitely something that you want to try to prevent before it hits you. Definitely. And I feel like with being a creator and like putting stuff out, it almost feels like natural to do it. And especially like you said, it was your name and your business and not separating it. I feel like it would have been really hard to turn the working brain off. And coming back to something we all chatted about earlier with it just being like half our jobs didn't exist 10 years ago, that also means we are laying the groundwork for navigating the boundaries around Mm -hmm. that too. Like my parents, grandparents, they have a relatively easy time leaving their work at work. They don't have to work from home. It's not constantly coming to their phones. They're not worried about their subscriber counts impacting brand partnerships and their overall income. So it's definitely something we are all navigating for the first time. Mm -hmm. I was actually just having a conversation earlier today with some folks on my team about how like building this kind of business is so unique because there's no blueprint for it. You can't like look and find like a, a one-on-one guide to creating like a creator business. Like it's all brand new. And how do you forecast? <laughs> yeah. You have no idea of predicting and it's also difficult to figure out, yeah, where does this line between me and my creative side and my like artistic side end? And then where does the business side start? Yeah. 
So for all aspiring creators that are just starting in 2022, what are your top tips for growing an authentically engaged community on platforms such as YouTube, Instagram, and podcasting? If you had to start over, how would you go about it? Oh, that is such a good question because... Yeah, it is a totally different game. I think so often people like me who started years ago, you know, we give advice about how to be a content creator, but it's it's different starting brand new now than, you know, in 2011 or whatever. I think, I mean, there's a million things I could say on this. I have a whole YouTube channel of like tips about how to get started and stuff. But I think that the absolute bare minimum, like groundwork, first thing, if I was completely starting over, it would be to, like the first thing to do would be to pick a purpose, like pick a mission, pick a goal, pick a niche. Like, I feel like that's kind of like a nice way to tie it up in a bow of just like, what exactly are you trying to do with your platform and what is your end goal? Because I, and I think like, if you are, if you're starting fresh, you actually have the advantage of being able to decide that now, because when I started, I mean, I have just like, you know, walked in absolute circles and zigzags to get where I am. It's not been a linear path because I didn't even know what I was doing when I got started. But if you're starting fresh, I think it's an amazing opportunity to think about where do I want to be in a year, in two years, in five years, and what can I do now to set myself up for that success? And then you don't have to, like me, go back and try to fix up all your like funny little mistakes that you made years ago when you didn't know what you were doing. Even one small example with that is like, for me right now, I'm working through trying to create an affiliate marketing strategy. And I'm like, oh man, if I would have thought about this two years ago, I would have had so much organic traffic from all my YouTube videos I made over those years heading to those affiliate links, just as one example. So I think when you're getting started, think about what kind of creator you want to be or what kind of business you want to run, and then determine what sort of content can I make that's ultimately going to lead to that goal. Because it might not be you know, every single thing. In fact, I think it's probably unwise to try to start every platform at once because you're going to get overwhelmed. So yeah, just thinking about what that kind of, where you picture yourself at the end of this journey or further along in this journey, and then you can kind of retrofit your steps to get yourself there. That makes sense. I love that advice so much. And it even to carry on to that point, I think people should set up their Google Analytics, their Facebook Pixel, all of those tracking things, even if they're not planning on running ads or doing anything remotely with it. But to have that data when you go to market maybe five or 10 years down the line is so valuable. Mm-hmm. So valuable. And that's the kind of stuff that because I've just been kind of figuring things out as I go, now I'm going back and trying to get that stuff in place. And it's like, I would have been like so much better off to to start that earlier. But I feel like when you get started is when you think, oh, I don't need that yet. Like I'll worry about it mm-hmm. later. But some of those things are just so like you benefit so much from the time, like SEO and all that kind of stuff that really builds up over the years that if you can do that as soon as you get started, then you're really setting yourself up for future success. But it's not the kind of fun, flashy stuff that people want to think about when they're first getting started as a creator. So I get that it's hard to prioritize it. In many ways, it can be intimidating too. I know when I think about having to install code on the back end of my domain, that does not excite me. I'm like, mm-hmm. uh, actually, I don't know what I'm doing there. Are you sure <laughs> yeah, I should be exactly. the person setting this up? But it's 100% necessary and you will thank yourself later for having the, the data tracked, you know? Yes, exactly. So transitioning a little bit, because one of the things that we are super excited to talk to you about is van life and being a digital nomad. For those of you guys who don't know, Katie and her husband are part-time van lifers. They did an entire 
van build in May and June of 2021 and have been using it to travel all over since. So Katie, first question to you is why van life? It definitely is not for everybody. Yeah, that is why van life. That's a great question. I feel like it's it's so interesting. Actually, I, I just posted a photo of me like sitting in my van working. And one of my friends replied to that story saying like, if you would show this to Katie in 2020, like imagine what she would think. And it's just I, I feel like the pandemic did this to a lot of us. Like we kind of went down paths that we didn't necessarily see coming because life changed so much. But I feel like the reason why we ended up doing van life was because we've always really loved traveling. Like that's something that's always been a big priority to me. And I, like as cliche as it sounds, everybody loves to travel, but like we very intentionally structured our lives around being able to travel more often. We, you know, when we were finding a place to live, we got this tiny condo and we were like, yeah, it's a small space, but we can make it work because we want to just be able to like lock the door and like leave for a few months and and go somewhere. And then, of course, within a year of us buying this condo, we couldn't go anywhere Mm -hmm. at all. In fact, we were stuck (laughs) inside. So then we started to kind of think about, I don't know, other alternatives and sort of looking around. Obviously, like everybody else spent a lot of time watching YouTube while we were stuck at home and we kind of like reinvigorated our love for some van life YouTubers that we were watching. And I'd, I'd seen them before. Cause you know, being in the travel space on YouTube, you come across van lifers, but I started to think more seriously of like, maybe this is something that we could actually do. And part of why I had always like kind of said, ah, oh, van life can't be for me is cause I was like, well, I just want to go to Europe. I want to travel in like other places. Like I've seen Canada and North America, whatever. But then once the world got flipped upside down and I was like, oh, you know, international travel is kind of different than it used to be. All these different reasons coming into place made me think van life might be something that could that could work for us. And what really kind of locked it in and made it possible was that because of the pandemic, my business went completely remote. I used to do some stuff in person. Like I would actually go with my little like backpack podcast studio and go in person and help people record their podcasts and then edit them. Um, but then all that got canceled in, in like March of 2020. So then I made solutions to figure out how can I do this all completely from home? And then I realized, Hey, I could do this completely from anywhere. It doesn't have to be in my condo. Um, and then my husband, Dan, he also went fully remote because of the pandemic and his company still remote now. So we both work from home or now from the van. Um, so all that kind of stuff just aligned to, to make it work for us. And so we just like dove in in October of 2020, we bought um, our Ram Pro Master and started converting it. And then we had it finished by June of 2021, which required a heck of a lot of work. Like you never, I mean, you kind of know, but sounds like it. Yeah. It, it, we were working in the spring of uh, 2021, we were working 30 or 40 hours a week converting the van on top of working our full-time jobs, like in order to get it done that quickly. So that was exhausting, but like now I really appreciate past Katie and Dan for doing that because now we have our little van to travel in and yeah, we're loving it so far. We've been traveling since the beginning of February. So a couple weeks now, and I'm just like so pumped to escape the winter because I hate the snow and now I'm sitting outside and it's like 80 degrees and just loving life. It looks beautiful. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I wish you guys could see Katie's background right now that we get to observe. It's so beautiful. She's got some sun behind her right now. I'm looking at a gray sky behind my screen. So I am very jealous of you right now, Katie. (laughs) Yeah. I, I, I really, I really love van life and I feel like it, it definitely isn't for everyone. Like I mean, I get questions all the time about some of the specifics that really turn people off. For one thing, we're two people living in 
about 80 square feet. That's about the, the footprint of the van. I mean, we spend a lot of time outside. Yeah, you guys must really like each other. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, we realized, I mean, when we started working from home, it's not that much different because our, our condo, I mean, it's quite a bit bigger. It's 500 square feet, but it's still pretty small by regular home sizes. And we were both working from home, doing everything from home 24 seven together. And we realized like, Hey, we still get along. We still like this. And, uh, you know, that kind of was like a test that confirmed we can do this. We can be in each other's space all the time. And yeah, we're just like kind of comfortable with those little pieces that where you have to sort of rough it a little bit more. Like people always ask about um, like, how do you shower? How do you go to the bathroom? Like these types of things, because we don't have like a bathroom built into our van, but we do have a little secret composting toilet that slides out on a drawer. And we use that and we're cool with it. Like we just, you know, I know that's not for everybody. And a lot of people are like, oh, that's weird. But, you know, we don't care. You get comfortable mm-hmm. being uncomfortable. Exactly. And and we are, I mean, we've been together like almost nine years now. It's fine. We we mm-hmm. can like get through all of this stuff. And, you know, we find, we find Planet Fitness, like gyms to shower in or campgrounds. And we make it work because to us, like all those like kind of weird little sacrifices that might be difficult for some people to make, like it's worth it for the flexibility and like the things that we're able to do and see. Cause we know like if we were sitting at home in Ontario in February, we would be probably sitting on the couch, like playing Mario Kart in the evenings, but now we get to go swimming at the beach or go for hikes or whatever. And so it's worth it for us. Oh, Canada. I'm now understanding why you're so excited to escape the winter. <laughs> yes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Cause yeah, we're from Southern Ontario. So it's not like the worst winters ever, but it is like very, very cold there right now. So yeah. <laughs> we understand we're Michigan. We're not, we're not as cold as you, but we are your neighbors. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, very similar. <laughs> very similar, yeah. <laughs> so, as a creator, is it hard being disconnected from the internet for long periods of time while on the road? Yeah, so definitely the whole internet thing can be a little bit of a challenge. We really try to plan our route so that we are in places where we can get cell data. So we pretty much just have like unlimited data plans. That is what we work off of most of the time. Or if we're in a place um, like where I am now where I can like connect to Wi-Fi or like say a Starbucks parking lot or whatever, then we'll use Wi-Fi. But yeah, so we just try not to go anywhere like too remote if we can avoid it. And then and then if we can't, then we'll plan to do that on weekends or whatever when we aren't working. So that's kind of our strategy around it. That's smart. I was going to say, and what do you do to keep yourself entertained? Because coming back to the like navigating internet boundaries for the first time, I feel like we are all belonging to the generation of people that definitely lack hobbies. Yes. Yeah. I feel like we have, I mean, when we're somewhere that that there wouldn't be internet, it would definitely be because it's an ideal location for like hiking or doing other kind of outdoor activities. So like that definitely keeps us busy. Yeah, I feel like there's just so much to explore and see in all the places that we've been that I've hardly had to like find stuff to to stave off boredom because we've just been like covering so much ground so quickly. But we do stuff like um, when we do have Wi-Fi, I've got like the Netflix app on my iPad and then you can like download shows to watch offline. So we do that a lot so that we can like watch our, our daily like Netflix while we eat dinner or whatever. Yeah. And I, and I've got like a Kindle that I actually borrowed from my mom and like loaded up with a ton of eBooks. So I always have stuff to read, but yeah, I feel like otherwise, like I'm the kind of person where outside of work hours, I'm really not like watching a lot of TikTok or YouTube or anything like that because I do that so much for my work. I mean, as much as like, you know, I try to stay on task or whatever. I do have to do some kind of research to like watch TikTok, see what the trends are, watch other YouTube videos, see what's performing well. So then when I'm like outside of work, I like to just 
do other stuff that's not like social media related. We love somebody with healthy social media boundaries. Yes. <laughs> I try my best. I know it can be hard though. Like I'm definitely, I'm not perfect. I'm checking Instagram all the time. I'm all, like, even after work, I'm like, oh, how many views did my latest reel get or whatever? So it's something that I'm still working on, but yeah. I was going to say, I think I traded an unhealthy relationship with Instagram with an unhealthy relationship with TikTok. <laughs> oh yeah. I feel that. TikTok is, yeah, very much... That, that would be the one place where I probably do go for entertainment outside of work hours. But then the thing is, if we're in a place where like the internet's not that great, which is has been the case for the past few days, it's so frustrating to like sit for five seconds and wait for a 15 second video to load. Like I'll just like give up and mm-hmm. read a book. <laughs> now that I understand. Is that not frustrating with like uploading YouTube and things like that? Yeah. So that is probably like my biggest hurdle with the, the nomad life is trying to find like good enough internet to upload YouTube videos. And so I try to, I do like all of my editing and filming and all that stuff. And then I'll like in my week, I'll be aware of like, okay, where are we going to be? And where are we most likely going to have the best Wi-Fi this week? And I'll try to like coordinate that to do all of my uploading at one time, or I'll like set it up to like upload overnight while I'm sleeping, if it's going to take seven hours to upload or something like that. Um, So yeah, that's just like an extra level of coordination that's involved when you're mobile, whereas at home, I would obviously upload a YouTube video and it would take like two minutes because our internet at home is super fast. So, but again, it's one of those sacrifices that Mm -hmm. I feel like is, is worth it for the sake of exploring. For sure. Now, if there was an aspiring entrepreneur who wanted to pursue life on the road while still running their business, just like you do, what would be some of your top tips for setting yourself up for success or planning ahead as you seem to be very organized in doing so that business doesn't fall apart? Mm -hmm. I feel like the first step is to make sure that you're really, really confident with running your business from home. I think trying to, you know, dive in and start, like, especially if this is your first, like, experience going fully remote, diving into that while also trying to balance, like, traveling and, and especially van life because um, there's so many different logistics to work out. That would be very overwhelming. So I think for me and uh, my husband, Dan, like part of what has really helped us with this transition is we've been working from home for two years. So we already know, like, how we can make sure we make everything happen outside of an office environment. And now we're just applying that to being in a van. So I think make sure you're confident with your routines and your systems in a just, you know, regular at home environment. And then when it comes to kind of balancing it all with travel, I think it's just good to have um, a schedule and like intentions with what you're going to do with your time, because there's so many different things going on, it can be easy to like, kind of get mixed up, okay, well, what should I be focusing on at any given time? So we really try to work a regular nine to five schedule, which it helps me kind of keep on that schedule because Dan has to, because he works like a a regular corporate job. It's just remote. So we just both work at the same time. And then I know, okay, we can both go and do like the fun travely stuff outside of that time. And then, yeah, I think it's also just kind of learning all the logistics involved with traveling. Like I was saying, like finding, okay, when am I going to have the best Wi-Fi this week to upload my videos? Or if you have to download something big, you know, figuring out when you can make that work. And then also making sure that you schedule in time throughout the week to kind of like plan your your travel stuff. Because that's like another piece of, especially when you're living in a van, you got to figure out where are we going to park this week? And like, when are we going to fill up our water tank? And when are we going to charge our batteries? And when am I going to empty the gray water tank and all those things and making sure that that's scheduled throughout the week in a way that works with your work schedule and, and all that stuff. So I think it's just like, you do have to be a little bit organized. I know not every van lifer is, but 
I feel like a lot of the other van lifers we come across, like, I don't think they have nine to five jobs. They're just like, yeah. <laughs> but we're trying to like coordinate all these different pieces in our schedule. And yeah, you just kind of have to make sure that you have a good list of all that stuff and then kind of keep it organized on your calendar. Can you put van lifer on a job resume as like a logistics manager or something? There seems like there's so many moving parts here. You know what? That's a good point. I feel like I should because it does take a lot. I mean, I I think too, like me and Dan are definitely more like type A organized people. I feel like the stereotype of van lifers are that they're like very, you know, hippie chill don't worry about it kind of people and that you know i think that's the case for a lot of them but you do have to be a certain amount of a hippie to just like want to live in a van so you know but we're organized hippies and so we like make sure that all of this stuff gets done because we want to obviously maintain a certain standard of living if you run out of water you literally don't have water so that's not like we don't want to be in that position uh but yeah there is just a lot of different stuff and then i think it's getting used to the routines too like as we've been on the road we've kind of figured out how long can our water tank last like how much like how many days can we go using water at this pace or whatever and then you get used to it and you kind of like fall into those routines but definitely at the beginning you have to be like very conscious of it i love the organized hippie so <laughs> yeah, this question exactly. My next question is selfishly for myself because I am so drawn to van life, but are there any things that you know now that you didn't know going into it that you wish you had known? Oh man, good question. I feel like a lot of stuff you're you're able to research. Like I, I do think when we were doing our conversion, especially, there's a lot of very specific things that you learn as you're going that are going to be applicable to your own like build, you know, not every van lifer has to build out their own van, but that you can't necessarily foresee. So it just, everything takes longer and is more work than you would think when you're trying to like convert a camper. So there's that, that I like, you know, you think, you know, but you don't really know how much work it's going to take. But then in terms of actually like living the van lifestyle, I don't know. I feel like, I feel like a lot of it I could kind of see coming in terms of I've done a lot of camping in the past and it's similar to that. It is, I, I guess some of the big challenges, like it is sort of frustrating when you're in a position where you're like, okay, I don't have anywhere to like drain my gray water, for instance, but like, I still need to be able to use my sink. Like, what do I do? And then you kind of like run yourself into these little spots where you're like, okay, shoot, like this, this is annoying. Obviously, if I was just like living at home, I wouldn't have to worry about my gray water waste. Like it would mm-hmm. just be fine. So I think it's just like those pieces of getting into the routine that you you don't think about because when you're thinking about the big picture, you're just like, oh, it's going to be fun. I'm going to be traveling. I'm going to have this really flexible lifestyle. But then there's like those small, like the minutia of, of daily tasks that sometimes can can be a little bit of a pain. But mm-hmm. I don't know. Overall, I think I had a picture of van life that it would be fun and exciting and kind of put me out of my comfort zone. But I knew there would be some drawbacks, i.e. having to shower at the gym, using a composting toilet, whatever it might be. But I sort of, I was aware of those. And I would say overall, like, it's felt very worth it. I, nothing has come up so far that's been, oh gosh, I didn't see that coming. I really wish I would have mm-hmm. known and then I wouldn't have done van life. Like, no, everything's felt very like worth it for sure. That's awesome. Everyone that I've talked to that has done van life or is currently doing it, they all say like, yeah, there's definitely challenging parts, but so worth it. So I'm very, very interested mm-hmm. in it. Yeah, I think you should definitely pursue it. It's been like the biggest adventure. I mean, I, I feel like too, I, I feel so fortunate to have a van life partner like Dan's mm-hmm. along with me because I do think I, I have so much respect for the solo female van lifers out there because there would be parts that I would be nervous of on my own. Um, like 
when I'm with Dan, I don't even think twice about just parking in like a public parking lot and sleeping overnight. I'm like, yeah, we'll be fine. Mm -hmm. Um, But if I was by myself, I think I would be a little bit more cautious of those different pieces. So it's just kind of nice to have a buddy and, uh, and kind of know, and then also he's helping with like figuring out those logistics and knowing, okay, where are we going to like get our next fresh water fill up or or whatever. So Mm -hmm. yeah. That's cool. And even just knowing that if something bad were to happen, you're at least not alone. Yes, exactly. I'm like, we're in this together. I don't have to figure it out totally mm-hmm. by myself. Cause I feel yeah. like the the big van lifer worry is always that you're going to be like sleeping somewhere. And then like, somebody's going to try to break into your van in the middle of the night or something, or I don't know that that's like pretty extreme, but I, it has happened to people. And I feel like at least, oh, you know, something happens to me in the middle of the night. At least I'm not the only like groggy brain trying to figure it out. Mm-hmm. Dan will also be trying to figure <laughs> it out. So yeah, it's comforting. Shout out Dan. <laughs> yes, exactly. All right. It is time for our favorite question. What is your favorite self-care item under $50? Oh, favorite self-care item. Oh. This is always the question that throws everyone off. Yeah. Oh man. I don't know. I feel like when I was back at home, it probably would have been like my bubble bath or something because especially when it was cold and wintry back at home, I was taking a bath like every night. And that was like my, I know that's such a cheesy self-care thing because that's so cliche, but seriously, that was what I did. Um, Oh gosh, I don't know. Probably just like my skincare routine, which like I actually do have a very affordable skincare routine. So it would total under $50 and it's a really good way to close out the night and feel like yeah. Okay. I'm ready to like end this day. That's probably my like current. We self-care. are huge skincare mm-hmm. people here. So we support Ooh, this. Yeah. What What are your like big brands? I My kind of collection is mostly like a couple Glossier things, but mostly the ordinary, almost all the ordinary. I have Glossier makeup, but I have not tried their skincare. I love First Aid Beauty. I love Versed and I love Youth to the People. Mm, yeah. I'll youth to, to the People out. is awesome. And then I've been getting very into glow recipe stuff lately been loving their watermelon line. Ooh, neat. I'm definitely going to have to like do a little bit of shopping and exploring while we're traveling in the van because in Canada, we don't have like half of these brands, but I hear people talk about them all the time. Like, you know, American beauty, like vloggers or whatever. So I'm like, I got to go to Target and like look around (laughs) so we don't have them at home. Yes. Make sure you can find a super Target. Those are even better. Oh my gosh. I'm so excited. All right, Katie. Well, thank you so much for coming on our podcast. Before we let you go, can you tell our listeners where they can find you on social media? Yeah, of course. Thank you so much for having me. This has been great. So you can find me. My biggest platform is YouTube. I post there twice a week. So I give social media tips and advice for aspiring and and beginner content creators. And that's at youtube.com slash Katie. So just K-A-T-I-E. I did get that URL. I feel so lucky. So youtube.com slash Katie. And then you can find me on That's Instagram. That's an elite URL. Right? I know. I know. I'm like, I feel so cool every time I get to drop that. So it's just five <laughs> characters. So yeah, youtube.com slash Katie. And then over on Instagram at Katie Steckley. Um, yeah. Awesome. Awesome. We will have all of that linked in the show notes for you guys as well. Katie, thank you so much for being here. Yeah, of course. Thank you for having me. All right, CEOs, that is it for today's episode. We hope you guys enjoyed it. And as always, you can find all of our episode and guest information in the show notes, as well as on our website, www.coishpodcast.com, spelled like our name without the dash. Thank you all so much for supporting our show. And for more CEOish, be sure to give us a follow over on Instagram at CEOish Podcast. 
And be sure to follow us on our personals at Chloe Elizabeth Creative and at Tay Graham Biz. Be sure you're subscribed to CEO-ish wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you really love the show, be sure to give us a five-star review, whether that be on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, wherever you listen to your podcasts. It really does help us out and we read every single one. We love you guys so much and thank you for tuning in to CEO-ish. We'll see you CEOs in the next episode. Bye.